everyone in my friend group has someone and I'm the only one, go find amazing single friends. Go find them and hang out with them. Women who are walking the walk and like want to find love, but also want to enjoy their singledom and not be a third wheel or a fifth wheel all the time. I also think go have fun being a third wheel and a fifth wheel. I loved being a third wheel and a fifth wheel, but sometimes I did it, right? So I always had, and I, you know, I spent my whole adult life before Santa Barbara between New York City and LA. So I always had like my artsy friends that were doing, you know, their thing like me. So I always had those people. And I think if I didn't have those, people it would be really lonely so go create fr friendships and and don't create those friendships with debbie downers and single sad sallies that are like men suck you know like befriend women who are like consciously dating and looking for their person like you are and so you can bond and support each other and also have a good time going out and having drinks and you never know who you're gonna meet Welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot these days. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat, and get ready to just go with it. Happy Friday, happy hour. We are here for another episode of Just Go With It, and we have a heartbreak coach for you, Claire Byrne, a new guest. She is a contributor to Kourtney Kardashian's Poosh. She's been on several different Dear Media podcasts, which you know we're a huge fan of. And we are so excited to jump right into everything about dating, heartbreak, relationship, your 20s, and especially Abby's current situation. And we love that. We're going to get right into the nitty gritty of all of it. But we're so excited to have you, Claire. How are you doing today? It's so nice to finally meet you. Oh, ladies, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. I actually just got engaged a week ago. But let me tell you, oh my God. I was in hell and back, which led me on this heartbreak, heartbreak journey. So I'm here to help Abby with <laughs> anything she needs. Wait, and you're telling us there's light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. And I'm 42. So um, I am honored to tell you what not to do because I did it all in my 20s. So yes. there you have it. <laughs> well, congratulations. That is so much fun. And I wish Thank that you. more people around me were getting engaged and I got to go to more weddings because that's just not happening yet. <laughs> Well, that's so I'll exciting. And something we talk about on this podcast a lot is obviously dating just because it's a very pertinent topic. And everyone we know is going in and out of relationships, trying things on moving to new cities, meeting new people, all of that. And so I love gleaming wisdom from people who have been through it and can articulate just how they got to where they are. So I'm really excited to pick your brain because as Ashley said, we touched on this a little bit last episode, I did recently go through a breakup. So that's Always great to just talk through some girl talk, some therapy today. Oh, yes. I'm here for it. Yes. So what do you, you want to get into your stuff first, Abby, <laughs> and then we can get into some more generalized stuff? Yeah. So if we're, if we're getting real specific, so yeah. <laughs> some context for my relationship, it was just a quick one. It was a little, you know, try it on and cut it off early before we get to in the weeds kind of situation, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and Give him a lesson on loving and leaving. Yeah, it was a guy that I had met right after moving to Nashville, and then we kind of cut things off. I went in a different direction, and we rekindled things a year and a half later and went full force to kind of try again and give it a real shot, um, which I'm glad that I did. No regrets, but it did recently end. I just felt always as though 
I was always articulating my needs to him. And no matter how receptive he was to it, he just was not able to give me what I needed, which was like physical touch, feeling prioritized, mm-hmm. words of affirmation, pretty much all my love languages. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't giving them. So I said, good day to you, sir. <laughs> and now we're living our best life. It's only been a week though. So nobody freak out. But <laughs> I think you seem really okay though as you're I mean obviously you're talking on your podcast so you're aware of an audience yeah. hearing it but you seem to be really clear about it. I I do a lot of introspection and think about this a lot and like talk through it with Ashley and everything but I think it's mostly because I'm the one who ended things that I am feeling better than if it were the other way around but I feel better now truly than I did while I was in the relationship because I was constantly having anxiety and not feeling seen or special or appreciated or all of those things you should feel when you're dating someone and I was like yeah wow it's first of all so much better to be single and happy than in a relationship and sad screw that amen but so many people stay right because they'd rather have someone than no one at all or they don't think they can get someone better I'm guilty of that too blame yourself for his behavior. And I'm just speaking in heteronormative terms, whatever, you know, gender pronoun applies to you with who you're pursuing. Um, So props to you, Abby, for knowing your worth, knowing what you want, recognizing he's not capable after you've communicated it. You know, I love this phrase. I didn't coin it myself, but it's math, not drama. These are my needs. You're not giving them. So therefore I am going to leave. It's not complicated but we love to make it complicated because our emotions are tied into it which we you know of course I understand that but that's what this work is really all about is feel the discomfort and Mm -hmm. choose yourself first and I'm curious what your thoughts are on the if he wanted to he would movement because I think that's Mm -hmm. a very hot topic with people in their 20s if he wanted to he would and I think to some degree that is true but I think people leave out the part where we know that our significant others can't read our minds and it goes both ways too. But if you don't articulate your needs, then how, how do they know what you need, you know? And, and we're kind of like expecting them to like pick up on cues or figure it out. And the the thing is, boys just are dumb. Like they're not going to. (laughs) Some, some, and then there are some who are amazing. What age do the boys stop being dumb also? (laughs) No age. It's limitless limitless because my fiance, he's uh, he's 50, I'm 42, but I, I met him three and a half years ago. So I was 38, sing, living the single life in Los Angeles. He lives in Santa Barbara. So I moved to Santa Barbara uh, eventually. But, um, you know, I was dating men in their 40s before I met him. And they were all, a lot of them were men children, right? So I, I always say age is neutral um, because, you know, I also know of couples who, met in their 20s and committed to a wonderful life together. And I'm sure you guys know people in their 20s who are mature and ready and all of that. Mm -hmm. But um, I do want to say, to answer Abby's question, though, because I I agree with you, if he wanted to, he would. That comes up for a lot of my clients. But Mm -hmm. because you did express your needs, right? I agree. We can't expect people to be mind readers. um, But I think what is so great about what you've done, Abby, is that you're like, no, I am communicating them because a lot of people are even scared to communicate their needs. Oh, I don't want to scare them off. I don't want to be too much. Right. So Mm -hmm. you did. And I'm just curious because you asked the question, did it ever occur to you because you did ask for what you need and he didn't Mm -hmm. give it. Do you think, did you have that thought if he wanted to, he would. I did have that thought, but it was really hard because we would have these hard conversations and I would bring up to him exactly what I need 
and be very clear about it, but in like a kind, respectful way. Um, not like a ragging on him, like you're not doing all these yeah, things, yeah. but just like, this is what I've learned from my past experiences. And this is what I know that I need to feel fulfilled in a relationship. And I would also do check-ins with him every now and then of just like, Hey, is there any way that I could be a better partner to you? Could I better support you Beautiful. in any way? And I just Beautiful. don't think this man had any idea how to have these conversations or work through anything because he, that had never been represented for him. And he's hadn't had as much experience with relationships as I had. And which was funny because he's five years older than me. So I'm like, get with the program, buddy. <laughs> but it just goes to show age is neutral and it's not about yeah. the age. It's about, yeah. and you just said it. I don't know why you guys wanted to have me on this podcast because Abby seems to have figured it all out. <laughs> For self-detriment or self-aware to detriment. Um, I freaking love it. But what, what I will say for anybody else who's listening who's like, well, if he wanted to, he would. And she asked, you know, this is what what where emotional unavailability comes in. Mm-hmm. He could mm-hmm. physically hear what you're saying, yeah. but mm-hmm. he didn't get it because he's never experienced that or he didn't have that model relationship. And I don't mean to sit here and diagnose him with anything, but- um, it's just, I've diagnosed I, I, him I, with a lot. So you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I would need more details, but yeah. I'm guessing avoidant attachment style and that all that stuff. Bad. But, yeah. um, you know, it's like, it's so, I was just, I was just on my group coaching call and I was just saying to them how it's just, we think it's so personal, but it's so not personal. If someone is just not emotionally available and you mm-hmm. can't make someone be emotionally available and you can't talk someone into being emotionally available. Yeah. They need to want, they need to recognize that they're not, and they need to want to become emotionally available. And then they have to be willing to do the work. Yeah. I don't think I've ever said it like that, but you have to recognize that you're unavailable and then have a desire to become available and then actually go do that work, which mm-hmm. is not three sessions in therapy. Right. Yeah. You know, that's like it lifelong. Years, work. yeah. And nothing is ever as much about you as people think it is, is it? It's about the other person internally, whatever is going on with them. I totally agree, but I will say from my own experience, and I had a rock bottom relationship that's really my big heartbreak story that unfolded when I was 29 and 30 years old and turned out he was like a total narcissistic sociopath, leading double life, like everything that I had a hunch. Hello? (laughs) Everything that I had a hunch about that he was like doing, he'd be like, you're crazy for believing that. And it turned out like it all came out in the wash that actually everything I thought was going on was actually going on, but I was crazy. All the gaslighting. Not the gaslighting. All of it. Yes, the gaslighting. And um, and so, you know, yeah, it's not personal, obviously, when someone behaves in that way. However, what was going on with me that I attracted that person, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not to self-blame. It's just to recognize what broken parts of me attracted those broken parts of him. I know I'm not a cheater. I know I'm not a narcissistic sociopath, but I'm, I know I'm like feeling like I'm dying inside. I know I feel crazy to not be with him because I thought we were in love and I thought Mm -hmm. we were on this path and I thought we had this future and I thought we were planning for a family and you know, all these things. So, um, even though it's not personal, if you're in the throes of heartbreak and finding it really hard to get over someone, especially someone who just wasn't all that great, whether he was, you know, a terrible person or just doesn't sound like your ex, recent ex. Abby was a terrible person, just not not available. So great person. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And so that's heartbreaking in and of its own right. Right. It's not that every guy is an asshole just because they didn't give you what you want, but it's not personal. And 
if I'm looking to be in an ideal partnership with someone who is available, well, what's unavailable in me that I keep attracting mm-hmm. unavailable people? And that was really my big question because hit rock bottom with a terrible relationship, as I just said, at 29 and 30 years old. And then, you know, that of course embarked me on a journey of trying so many different healing modalities, but I kept attracting unavailable people even after him. And they were Mm -hmm. never as horrible as him, but I still found myself like heartbroken and disappointed and feeling abandoned and like kind of doing the same shit with different people who just like seem to be little incremental improvements on the last. And then it's just like, okay, but Claire, you got to look at yourself. Like what is going on here? And then I really looked at all the ways that I was not available to myself that had nothing to do with my love life. Like mm-hmm. my relation, I was an actor for many years and um, just my relationship with my finances, my belief in myself as an actress, um, my relationship with my body. You know, there were just so many ways that I wasn't showing up for myself that I didn't even recognize. And that's going to look different for everybody in terms of their relationship with themselves. Those are just a few examples for me. And then looking at the way I was approaching my dating life. You know, like, yeah, sorry, not to cut you off on that, but but for the people who I've seen, even in my life in my twenties too, just kind of be consistently bad pickers, if you will, or kind of picking the wrong people for them. What is your advice to them? Go to therapy and kind of look inward or (laughs) what, what, what can they do to kind of break out of that cycle? If they've just consistently been picking people that aren't necessarily the best for them, they kind of find themselves in the same position each time. Well, I think everybody should work with a coach or a therapist. I just think, you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, it was so foreign to me and my family because I, um, I'm i from Ireland originally. So oh. my parents' generation, you know, you don't go to therapy. You don't talk about right. it. You brush it under the rug. So I had lots to unpack by the time yeah. I made, <laughs> made it to therapy as an adult. But, you know, whether you're even in a good relationship or not, why not just talk out your stuff? So sure, I say therapy, coaching, I'm a coach, you know, work out your stuff with anybody to enhance your life and make it better. Why not? And enhance your relationship with yourself. Um, but yeah, for sure. If you're picking, you know, people that are just not that great and you end up feeling hurt, you know, what I work on with my clients is, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what would I do differently next time? And and one of the biggest things that people do that end up having the relationship blow up in their faces is they go way too fast too soon. And they rely solely on chemistry, attraction, and fun as like, oh, we're so into each other as a reason to like go fast and furious only to have the relationship blow up in their face two months in, six months in, or a year in and recognize, wait, we don't even want the same things or we want the same things, but we don't want them at the same time. And then it's like, how did we get to here? And then that's what invites, but if he wanted to, he would, right? Because we've fallen in love, but it's like, what does love even mean? And I'm not trying to diminish love, but like you can love someone and also not be right for that person. Yeah, totally. So you said wanting, like in a, one example is wanting the same things at the same time. When do you think in dating someone, even just casually, you should kind of hint like, oh, do you even want to get married? Because let's say I know I do. But at the same time also, we're still in our young mid and then late 20s. What Our idea of what we might want is going to change inevitably. So what do you think about just like navigating that from this perspective at this age? I think 
if you know you're looking for a serious relationship, you should within the first three to four dates max, mm-hmm. three to four dates max, find out what they are looking for. That's what mm-hmm. I, I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I, I usually do it on the third. <laughs> Great, Abby. Why do we have Claire? No, no, no. I'm going to tune out. I love I'm going to tune perspectives, out. But I say I love doing it on the third date because the first few dates, you're seeing if you even can have fun with the person. But then yeah. the third day, it's more like, let's ask a few deeper questions and just be like, do we even see similar futures for each other? Because like, yeah. why waste our time? Like if we're not yeah. going to even align yeah. in any way. I totally agree. But if it does come up organically in date one, great. Yeah, right. Yeah. But like, I would say if you're really excited about someone and now four dates have passed and you don't know what they're looking mm-hmm. for, because mm-hmm. how many times was I in six weeks yeah. situationship only to find out. And by the way, we're splitting hairs here. Who cares if you go on a date a yeah. week or four weeks or if it's six weeks, but I found myself in a lot of like six to eight week situationships throughout my thirties really. And then I'm like, so upset about it. And I'm like, wait a second. I never asked him what he was looking for, <laughs> right. you know? And again, I think women are afraid to do that. And I would imagine younger women, I know because I have women in their twenties in my group, it's like, you know, Oh, I don't want to be too much. Or I don't want him to think I'm putting pressure on him. Or I don't want him to think I'm asking for exclusivity. And it's like, Ugh. you're, you're not, you're, you're just like sharing what it is that you're looking for. And if someone's going to balance or be freaked out by that question and we don't want them anyway yeah yeah yeah. before the first drink comes do you want kids do you want to get (laughs) married ever uh do you even go what are your marriage like do you want to be an old parent do you want to be a young parent (laughs) well you guys will crack up because on my first date with my now fiance he waited until the first date to tell me that he has four children and I was like wow check please Yeah, not just one. Four. What a bombshell to drop. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Four bombshells. Four bombshells. What, what, what if you had run away and look at now you're engaged? Exactly. Oh, that God. was his thing. That was his thing. No, I, I mean, they're just absolutely to die for. But it's just, yeah, you can, you know, but some people wait to talk about. Yeah. How, and again, I'm older than you guys. So you probably don't hear those stories too often. But um, yeah, it's like also for me, especially I was in my late thirties when I met him, but you know, I wanted marriage in a serious relationship much Mm -hmm. earlier than that. I just was going about it really blindly. And I had Mm. other things to heal and figure out and my life to figure out that I think also was having me energetically attract unavailable people. Yeah. You mentioned earlier avoidant attachment style. And I feel like I hear that all the time on TikTok and other things. Another button phrase. Yeah. can, Can you give me a clear definition on what it is? I mean, I'm not like the expert on attachment styles. I identify as anxious attachment style where, you know, people, the anxious attachment style is where people, and it tends to be the clients who I attract are feeling really needy and anxious and graspy and insecure. And if someone, you know, takes a few hours to text you, you're thinking, oh my God, he's not interested. And it brings up all this fear of abandonment and and then it can be a recipe for disaster because anxious attachment style people tend to attract avoidant. Okay, that's why I need to cross that one off. What's that? Avoidant, <laughs> next like one? If, if they smell commitment, it freaks them out and they run, right? Yeah, oh, but avoid, nice. avoiding, but a sign of someone with avoidant attachment style is that they'll be really intense in the beginning because mm-hmm. it's new and fresh and yeah. it doesn't feel claustrophobic. It's just like exciting. And then it's exciting, yeah. but then... And then, and usually, and again, I, I'm careful about generalizing too mm-hmm. much. So this is simplifying it. The anxious attachment style person is, and this is how I identified with the anxious attachment style is that I'd be very reserved and like 
grounded and cool and calm and collected, usually the first couple of dates. And then as I relax into it and I start to catch the feelings, then the avoidant, the avoidant guy who's smelling that you're not in yet, right? And then you're in and then he starts to pull away and then the anxious attachment style gets more anxious and it just becomes this like push-pull, hot-cold behavior. It's also it- toxic. Yeah. I just looked However, it up. There's four secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. I remember learning about this in a psychology uh, class in college, and I was like fascinated. Yeah. Um, I'm, I have no idea which one that I am, but it's just so interesting to talk about yeah. because they, you can really boil it down. Like after a while of getting to know someone, you can kind of see which one they are. Yeah. And so when I met my fiance, Larry, and like, you know, a couple of months into dating, I was like, oh my gosh, you're totally secure attachment style. And he wasn't familiar with what attachment styles were. And he was like, well, you are too. And I was like, I had just died laughing. But the thing is, is that if anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh God, I have anxious attachment style. And that's a really big problem because a lot of my clients come to me and they're like, we need to cure my anxious attachment style. And I still identify as having anxious attachment style. It's obviously very different three and a half years in with my fiance, but it comes up in other subtle ways. Like um, if he, like this past weekend, he was away with the kids. I was away with a friend and I wasn't anxious. Like, Oh, does he not think of me? Or like, is he not, you know, wanting to be with me? Is he not missing me the way that I'm missing him? Like none of that was coming up, but more just like, I genuinely feel like my body feels a little unsettled when mm-hmm. we're apart for a couple of days. I just, I naturally feel that anxiety, but I'm not like making it his problem. I just observe it. Yeah. I'm mindful. I breathe with it. I tell him I miss him and I like go about my day. Yeah. So I always say, and this is just my spin on it. You know, if you have anxious attachment style, we're not trying to cure to solve for it. We're trying to move with it because it's, you know, been ingrained and it's really how we are formed our bonds with our caregivers. So we've been carrying that for a long time. And so it's really important to manage it instead of like get rid of it and just be aware of it. Because a lot of my shit came up when I first met Larry and it wasn't like all of a sudden, oh, this person is so amazing. So I'm just totally secure. Yeah, I just, because I had better tools and was applying them and working with a coach myself, I was managing the anxiety as I was falling for mm-hmm. him without making it his problem. And what's insane about attachment styles, like you were saying, I remember we learned that it is formed from infancy and based upon like how often your parents would hold you and spend time with you. If you would walk, if your mother walks out of the room and the baby immediately cries, it's anxious attachment style. And if they're like, mm. if the baby's just kind of chilling there and like realize, knows that their mom will come back in a couple minutes, then it's very secure. And um, I also have just been looking this up as we've been chatting, but according to a recent study, this makes a lot of sense. Women score a lot higher with anxious attachment style and men score a, ho- a lot higher with avoidant because yes. it's like the tale as old as time. Like men are so scared of commitment and women are always scared that they're going to leave. And it's just like so sad, but like, it's so true. Like you see it every day. Yeah. And so it's just learning how to educate yourself, manage your emotions. And I always say this with my clients too. I'm not negating that you have anxious attachment style, but be careful to not identify with it so much that everything becomes, oh, it's because of my anxious attachment right, style. Right. Because then you start like indulging the anxiety yeah. as well. And so we and, like glorifying just... it. Yes, exactly, Abby. So yeah. it's just breathing with it, noticing, well, what is the thought that's making me feel really anxious right now? Mm-hmm. How do I want to proceed with that? How do I want to manage my anxiety? Is this something I want to bring to him? Is this something that I want to manage on my own? And like really becoming you know, savvy with managing it versus how do I get rid of it? Oh my God. Or 
and so so I have learned how to harness it, if you will, to the point that my fiance didn't even know that I had it. I mean, I think then as time went on, there were definitely moments where it was revealed for mm-hmm. sure. It wasn't just a flawless process, but um, I think that was a big part of why I kept attracting avoidant because I was making my anxious attachment mm-hmm. style such a problem. And, you know, there's something really beautiful. And like now the joke is my fiance calls me clingy Claire because now it's like this endearing thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he really loves me being like mushy with him and yeah. affectionate with him and smothering him, but in an endearing way, not in a needy, graspy, I don't know what to do if you're not around mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And regardless of attachment styles, one thing that's true and evergreen is that women like to be pursued. And I believe you've spoken on this on other podcasts, but let's get into that a little bit because I think there's a lot of a trend going on of women in their 20s in this generation, not necessarily being pursued by men. I don't think men are taught with those same values that they were back in the day of how to pursue a woman and what kind of effort level needs to go into it. So let's get into the pursuit of it all, because that's a big thing that comes up a lot in dating. So I, I love to like, again, speaking in heteronormative terms here, I I tend to attract, you know, a therapist once said this to me when I started my coaching business, she's like, you're going to have a cosmic referral system. You're going to attract all clients who were just like you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I tend to attract clients who want to be pursued. I for sure wanted to be pursued throughout, you know, my search for love even before I met my fiance. Um, But I do still think that today in 2023, if you know, you find yourself on Bumble and you're having a great chit chat and it's going well, and you're just like, you know, really bouncing off of each other and having that witty banter. I was trying to think, what am I trying to say? Witty witty banter. (laughs) And um, you know, it's like, the exchange is going on long enough and you know, you want to wrap it up because you don't want to be making yourself so available and like keep mm-hmm. waiting for the person to ask out. I'm all about just being like, Hey, I got to get going here. I'm heading out for the night. I don't even care if it's a lie because make him think that you're like very busy. 100%. We're the busiest in the corner. beginning. I'm all about like, keep the mystery alive, yeah. you know, but um, it's different than game playing because I don't like game playing, but you know, I think you get what I mean. Um, I'm all about, you know, if you have a great first exchange, great witty banter, and you're going on for like 30 minutes, it's like, hey, I got to get going here. I have plans tonight. It was so great chatting with you. Let me know if you want to grab a drink sometime. You just throw it in his court. That's good. That's so casual and good. Yeah. And it's like really the truth. You're just like coming from a really authentic place. So I love the idea of the man asking the woman out and asking further in advance and opening the door for you, paying for the meal for at least the first date. I'm all for that. But I do see a lot of my clients like really kind of want to lean back, cross their arms and wait for them to do everything. And I think today too, on, you know, online dating, I mean, you guys are obviously a lot younger than me, but like really the dating apps only came out as a thing when I was in my twenties. So I don't know, it might be different for you guys, but you know, it's really hard to, to, to read people on the apps. Maybe a guy isn't asking you out because he's nervous and he's like, there's no way she would ask me out or, or, or no way she'd be interested in me. She's just mm-hmm. bored or whatever. And by the way, you want to attract someone who's secure and confident is going to ask you out. But like, what if he just needed that little push for, mm-hmm. to, you know, and then, um, you know, as I said, I lived in LA when I matched with my now fiance and he, he's a lawyer and he was, you know, working a trial in LA and that's how we matched on Bumble. 
And he, you know, was very direct about wanting to meet me in person and shared with me that he lived in Santa Barbara. And, and when we finally talked about picking a time, I said, well, I'm, I'm happy to come up to you. And I wanted to come up because I literally wanted to be in the driver's seat and like mm. stay at a hotel and not feel like, oh, he's coming to my town and city. And I feel like I have to like host him and take care of him because he's driving down. Yeah. And that was just my choice. But the, the joke that I made, I said, I'd love to come up to you. And I also genuinely wanted to go to Santa Barbara yeah. because I hadn't been in a while. Yeah, fun. It was like a selfish thing. And I, I was just like, you know, I'm not Jones into rent a hotel or book a hotel for every single time I go on a date with someone. But I was like, this guy is special enough. I'm happy to get in the car, Santa Barbara. I love the bachelor bachelorette franchise. So I'm happy to like, feel like I'm on like a, a one-on-one date uh-huh. and whatever. Mm-hmm. In a different place. And then I just said to him, you know, and by the way, this is where my masculine energy stops in this dynamic because I was the one driving up to see him. And mm-hmm. it's just like slipping in a little bit. And he was like, ha ha. He was like, got it. I love that you're coming up. And then I also had an out. I know this is really long, but roll with me. I had an out because I was like, shit, what if I'm not attracted to him? And then I'm in the city overnight, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm in Santa Barbara overnight. And so um, I, I just sort of put it out there. I was like, you know, I, I, I have to, I'm a writer. And so I have these articles to write. So I like was just saying I'm, I'm coming up and I'm going to write and I may have to like write the next day just to be like, oh, I'm just so busy with work. Yeah. And he sent me a list of places that would be a great place for me to do oh, my writing. That's really you know, a good guy. That's He's an he, adult. He, yeah. Exactly. He's a freaking man. He has like and actual he, complete thoughts instead of just half. Yeah. So thoughtful. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just giving you those two examples of like, it doesn't have to be so black and white, like yeah. be open to put yourself out there. And mm-hmm. then I, it, I wouldn't suggest if you did it once, do it the next time and then the next time and then the next time. Right. Like, you know, um, not to be so rigid and, yeah. and I still don't think I pursued Larry just because I drove well, to Santa Barbara. it takes effort on both people's parts, which I think really is what it all boils down to. And I agree. I've had a lot of my friends come to me and just people vent and everything. And they're just like, well, he's not really doing this. And I'm like, well, let me see your conversations. And there's like no effort or like energy from them. And I'm like, this man probably thinks you don't even like him. Like, how is he supposed to know? Oh yeah. You mean your friend, your girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, Cause all of us girls are all in it together. It's really taking a village these days. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm just like, you got it. It's a two way street, but like the man, in my opinion, at least at the beginning should do a little more of the pursuing, but. That's my I agree. Preference. I agree. And it's my preference too, but to just like be more open-minded and look at the whole picture mm-hmm. in the individual unique situation, mm-hmm. right? It's not, here's what I would not suggest, right? You match with someone, you think he's really cute and you're like, Hey, how are you? And he's like, good. And then it's like, do you want to get a drink? You know, I would yeah. never, yeah. I would never say, suggest, you know, it's like, if That's you're how you get murdered. Vibe, yeah. Stand up exactly. on the news. <laughs> Don't need to be the next A-line subject. No. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, I'm all about the man pursuing the woman. However, don't be so rigid. And if there is enough there, you know, I, I, I'm sure you understand and relate, right? I've, I've, I've had a lot of clients say, oh, I matched with this guy. He's like the first person I've really been intrigued by on the apps in a really long time, but he hasn't asked me out. I'm like, then fucking ask him out. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, if you're intrigued and you haven't been intrigued and you know, you've connected, ask him out. What's the worst thing that can happen? He either ignores or says no, and you feel disappointment and yeah. then you keep going. Yeah. It's so true. 
If you are dating around and you actually want a relationship, you're not just doing it like to have fun over the summer or something. You actually want a relationship. And obviously you should not put all your eggs in one basket. How many baskets yeah. do you think your eggs should be in though? How many Ooh, dates? What's I the love the many baskets we talking? <laughs> yeah. What's the frequency of dates one should be going on if they actively yeah. want something? I think personally, I'm I'm hoping, and 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 so the way I coach my clients in general, it's not rigid. Again, I think we we're all humans living very nuanced, full lives, and then you're meeting someone else with a nuanced, full life. But um, it's stop wanting him back, fall in love with you, find someone better. So by the time my clients get to the find someone better section, and some people come in like a girl just joined today and she's ready to date. And I'm like, we just got to slow down a second because I want to get more of a lay of the land of what's going on in her mind and her life. Um, so people can come in at different stages. But my hope is that for all of my clients, when they start the find someone better section, that they have like really dated themselves and are so mm-hmm. in love with themselves and their full lives, finding a full purpose, feeling really content solo in their lives, like waking up in the morning, not feeling like something's missing because their person isn't here. And so all of that to say is my, my, in terms of how many baskets, I love the way you phrase the question, you know, I hope that you have such a full life that you don't have time to be juggling more than two to three people that you're genuinely yeah. interested in at the same time. And P.S. Yeah. I have never met someone who's like, that's actually not true. I one time coached a woman that was like, there's like five men and they're all lovely and I can't decide. I was like, God bless you because I've never. What a horrible problem. To have. Um, yeah, terrible problem. But um you know, it was also a different age bracket. And I wonder, I don't know, I, it was that one time out of the seven years that I've done this and coached hundreds of people, but mm-hmm. um, I, I just, how do you have time to really give more than two to three people like genuine care and interest and energy to see if there's a real connection yeah. there amidst the rest of your full life? Because I, I want you to still be hanging with your friends, self-care, family, right. your job, whatever else fills you up. When I'm back on my dating train, typically I feel like I tap out at three because, again, yeah. it's hard when you're trying to actually get to know someone to even remember, especially at the beginning stages, like which conversations you've had with everyone and like who's who. Because you don't know these people. You're just starting to get to know them. Yeah. So it's like who lives in Minnesota and who has the older sister and who has the younger sister. Like it gets confusing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hard to keep track. And then yeah. you're like oh your sister he's like I don't have a sister and you're like, like oh. anyway it's moving on <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean I really personally don't think I, I it never happened I'm like such a monogamous soul to a fault like where I had to like mm-hmm. even when I met Larry I knew I was so into him my fiance and I made myself still swipe because I was like I have been around the block enough times yeah. that I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket with him so I would consistently swipe but I never ended up dating someone else after I met him. But um, I just think, you know, I can't imagine juggling more than two even, but three max for sure. What are your thoughts on dating casually for fun in your 20s and not necessarily putting so much pressure on it and being so serious about it, but rather just to have fun, to meet people, to get to know yourself more, to get to know others, and just as long as you're transparent about it. Do you think that's kind of toxic or do you think that's healthy or what do you think? I think it's so healthy. I think the most important aspect that you just said there is that you're transparent about it, right? You're not leading anyone on. I think it's totally healthy. Uh, As someone who's engaged for the first time at 42, I 
have heard and I just like put on, so, you know, announced on social media and I just heard from a lot of wonderful people congratulating me. And several people said, I wish I did what you did. I wished I waited later, you know, yeah. and now X amount of kids deep or, you know, and um, I'm not saying my way is the right way or the perfect way, but I, I do think people, you guys in your twenties now are way more advanced and mature overall compared to, I think at least what I was in my twenties, I was just like really young. I just don't think we, I didn't have, yeah, Facebook existed. Instagram came along in my, uh, I want to say, yeah, early thirties, but there wasn't this like saturation of self-help and development. Like I really only got into that stuff in my late twenties, early thirties. And mm-hmm. it wasn't as huge as it is now. Um, I just, you know, I have a niece who just seems like, and even when I look at Larry's kids and just, you know, they're just very mature and evolved and like yeah. aware and sensitive and we you know, have the world, like, wealth they're, of they're, information they're at our fingertips. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so to be fair, I think um, you guys are more mature and aware compared to what I was at your age, but what is the rush? Because I do think a lot happened and, and especially for all of my friends and my clients who come to me so much happens where there's a lot of, like I had a girl join today she was with her husband since she was 23 and now she's 36 and they're getting a divorce so and, and and again I don't mean to make a blanket statement that no one can get married in their 20s and have a healthy lifelong relationship right. together but I do think from what I've observed and maybe it's just through my own lens and who I'm drawn towards is a lot of change and evolving happening, not just in your twenties, but also in your Mm -hmm. thirties. So take your time and have your fun. And then if someone like mind blowing comes along and and that person changes it for you, then also great. Right. Yes. And also kind of last thing, because we will kind of wrap it up a little bit here, but I think as people are kind of going towards that trend of maybe getting married a little bit later, getting serious about things a little bit later, um, a lot of times in your late 20s, it can feel like everyone's in a relationship but me. Like, I'm the last one. I'm yeah. the odd one out. What's wrong with me, you know? Um, running out of choices. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure with a lot of your clients, people might feel that way too. So what do you tell them and what do you tell the women who are listening that might feel that way? Well, it's just not true. And you should come to my group program because I've got amazing, beautiful bitches on the inside and out who are doing the work and are hilarious and amazing. And, you know, it's just, that's not true that you're the only one. But if you are like, no, really, I'm the only one. Everyone in my friend group Mm -hmm. has someone and I'm the only one. Go find amazing single friends. Go Mm -hmm. find them and hang out with them. Women who are walking the walk and like want to find love, but also want to enjoy their singledom and not be a third wheel or fifth wheel all the time. I also think go have fun being a third wheel and a fifth wheel. I loved being a third wheel and a fifth wheel, but sometimes I did it. Right. So I always had, and I, you know, I spent my whole adult life before Santa Barbara between New York city and LA. So I always had like my artsy friends that were doing, you know, their thing like me. So I always had those people. And I think if I didn't have those people, it would be really lonely. So go create friendships and and don't create those friendships with Debbie Downers and single sad Sallies that are like men suck, you know, like befriend women who are like consciously dating and looking for their person like you are. And so you can bond and support each other and also have a good time going out and having drinks and you never know who you're going to meet. God, I love that. (laughs) So the, the solution is just find some hot single friends and live your best lives together until something better. Yeah, while while you're searching for your person, yeah. you're not going to 
your settled friends to the curb, but it's yeah, like, no, I, I also need to find people like me. Well, it's really hard when people are at really different points in their life to yes. relate to each other and you're going to be doing things with your husband and it just eventually like things with your kids and that's yeah. a whole different thing. So yeah, it's, it's hard when everyone's on their own timeline, but I think it also proves which friendships are going to stand the test of time as well. Absolutely. And I'm still close friends with my friends from high school who did the marriage and kids thing, you know, but it, it does change relatability factors. Mm-hmm. And then they become friends with people who have kids because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, school, same activities and school friends and whatever. And it's just like a natural um, kind of separation that does end up happening when it comes to marriage and kids. It doesn't mean that the love is lost. Yeah, it's just yeah. Um, so it's important for you to find your people as well. So the moral of this entire episode could have been chalked up to watch Sex in the City because that's what that's what I got out of it. Love your friend and forget dating. Well, not forget dating. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say forget dating. Keep dating, Boom. but also like have good friends who are your eggs in your friends' baskets too. Yes, amen. Couldn't have said it better. So where can the people find you on your podcast, social media, your coaching, everything? Pimp yourself out. Thanks, ladies. Thanks so much for having me. I had so much fun chatting with you. Um, you can go to my website, clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. Um, I don't know when this episode is airing, but until June 25th, I have a fun special offer. My my, I call it my mini I'm engaged <laughs> offer um, where I'm just selling my 75 video course. It's a lifetime access course. And then you can get a bonus one-on-one session with me. Um, that is a limited offer and I have a group program and a one-on-one offer as well um, at clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. And you can um, find me at clairetheheartbreakcoach, C-L-A-I-R-E on Instagram. And I have a podcast called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. Ugh, what a great name. Stunning. <laughs> well, Claire, thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom, sharing your experience, and just being so open and vulnerable with us. We really appreciate it. And I just love hearing from other badass women and hopefully just all of us continuing to grow and get a little bit better each day. So thank you so much. I feel ready to tackle the dating scene. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm ready to go get back out there. I love it, Abby and Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a blast chatting with you both. 